welcoming everybody to the Puttcraft Podcast. My name is Reed Nelson. Today, we will discuss the updated player rankings in anticipation of Saturday's final outdoor event of the season. And we will also chat a little bit about the Loon's Nest. If you have not taken a look at the long-term forecast, it is a doozy. Currently, 69 degrees, partly cloudy on Saturday. We are teeing off at 2 p.m. at the Loon's Nest, which is at Island Lake Golf Course um, in Shoreview, Minnesota. I think I think that's that, that's where we landed on last episode. It's in Shoreview. Um, uh, uh, yes, it's in Shoreview. Okay, so um, very excited for that. Just so you know, if you didn't know already, that you could go over to puttcraft.com and click on the Loon's Nest under Courses and... There you will see um, a photo of each of the 18 holes uh, at this brand new course. Brand new, brand new, just opened up. Um, it We will be using the Puttcraft standard tee box because there are not tee boxes that are clearly marked. And uh, I've, I've sent a note to 18 birdies about adding the course. They have not done so yet. But lucky for us, every single uh, par is a par three. Um, so I'm not overly concerned about that currently. Um, and I, well, I'll save that for later. Okay. So um, if, uh, if, if, if you haven't had a chance yet to head out there, um, you know, I, I certainly would. We love to support uh, of um, um, a new mini golf courses, um, you know, kind of show them, hey, th- hey, thank you for doing this. Uh, we are definitely, definitely going to uh, support it and and uh, and, and give you our business. Uh, planning a couple events there next year already. Um, so yeah, or you know, head out there a little bit early on Saturday to play it. Um, there is, uh, you know, it it it's nice because there's not. You know, one of the things that we kind of discussed with Eagle Lake is these walls that are not, or holes in walls that aren't meant to be there, right? And how we're not going to be penalizing those anymore. Uh, There are not any of any of those at this course because everything is brand new. Um, I will say this, that hole 13, if you go to puttcraft.com, click on courses and click on the loon's nest, there is OB left. So that that is one of those, I think it's the only hole on the course, I believe, I'm doing a quick scan here, where there is not a wall um, on a section of the track, and that will be penalized as out of bounds. Um, and, and you can't really tell from the photo, but that there's also a little frustration hill uh, at the end of that one. Not nearly as um, difficult, well, based on my uh, uh, one-time playing there, not as difficult as um, Dred Scott, but still, uh, you know, something to be taken seriously. So, so yeah, Saturday, 2 p.m., um, a couple, well, several, I think at least three new faces have already registered. Uh, so excited to meet some new faces and uh, uh, see some uh, see some of you uh, for uh, the you know, 10th, 11th, 12th time, I don't know. Um, also planning on getting you uh, the rest of the schedule for 2022 pretty quickly here. We're planning two events. I've already kind of given you a heads up on one of them. Uh, we're we're going to try for something around New Year's. It's not going to be 
uh, New Year's Eve because that's a Saturday. Um, but maybe the 29th, that's kind of where I'm leaning right now. 28th uh, is the Wednesday. Just that, that week in between, we're, we're going to head up to uh, to Coon Rapids at Grand Slam. And then we'll probably try to get on to uh, uh, the Golf Zone for the first of probably three winter events at the Golf Zone um, in early December uh, potentially sometime in, in November. I, I know Thanksgiving gets a little funky. Um, so I, I kind of want to avoid that, that week. So, okay. So, uh, let's talk about, um, uh, this week's updated player rankings. If you haven't yet, I just posted on Instagram, the updated MCG rankings, which we covered on last week's podcast. And if you head over to puckcraft.com now for the third time in this episode, you can take a look at the updated 2022-2023 standings. Um, So here we're going to discuss the player rankings, which again, I love the the uh, triple threat that we have here. We have the player standings, uh, but I'm not going to go into into them right now. Uh, the MCGs, which is all based on the data, and then the player rankings, which is just filled with recency bias. And you know what? I don't care. I love it. I think that's great. I think that recent see because now you're thinking about Josh. You're like, okay. Well, how high is Josh going to be, right? He got second in the last event, right? He's he's third in the player standings. I think he's ninth in the MCGs. Well, how high is he going to be in the player rankings? You keep talking about recency bias. Let's see. Um, so, um, you know, he's not going to be third or anything. So here's the tough thing with only having one event between the last player rankings uh, and this current player rankings. Oh, and by the way, that one event was only attended by seven players. There's not much that you can, there's not got a lot of movement that's going to be taking place unless you participated in an event, right? Or in the event. And in that case, it's, or in this case, in this particular case, it's sort of an all or nothing situation. So think about it this way. Matt Rolstead, number two, Sean Brown, number one. It's been that way for a while now, but we just got done watching Matt Rolstead possibly put on the best performance in Puttcraft history, potentially, probably, right? And oh, by the way, he beat Sean by 10 strokes, right? Is this the week that Matt overtakes Sean, right? You could make the argument, right? There's a lot of the data that that supports that, including, oh, by the way, this is a recency bias player ranking, right? This isn't the MCGs or the player rankings. This is recency bias. So let's take a look. Let's dive a little deeper, okay? Sean Brown, 21 events. Um, Matt Rolstead, 12. Sean Brown, 21 top five finishes. Pretty good. 21 of 21. Matt Rolstead, 11. So 11 of 12. Uh, Matt Rolstead, four tournament wins. Sean Brown, 12. Okay, let's take a look at the most recent ones. Of course, we know Dred Scott Open. Matt Rolstead won that. He beat Sean by 10 strokes. Let's take a look at the Eagle Lake Open. Sean Brown won that. He beat Matt Rolstead by three strokes. Oh, and by the way, that performance from Sean Brown, while not equal to Matt Rolstead's performance at Dred Scott, was pretty darn good. Right? Let's take a look at Lily Putt, July 28th. Sean Brown won that one by seven strokes over RJ Dusak. But read, but read, Matt Rolstead wasn't there. Okay. <laughs> 
right? Should Sean be punished for that? Let's take a look at the one previous one. Centennial Lakes, July 13th. Matt Rolstead uh, um, wins that one. 19 under par. Dan Wesley right behind him, 18. Sean Brown all down, down in fifth place at 16 under par. Como Park Open. Sean Brown wins that one. Eight under par. Matt Rolstead two strokes behind him at six under par. Eagle Lake Open. Sean Brown wins that. Nine under par. Matt Rolstead not there. Okay, we could do this all day. We could go back and forth all day. Let's take a look at the stats. Sean Brown's BEP 89.7. Matt Rolstead's BEP 87.5. Okay. Sean Brown's BE percentage 45.2. Matt Rolstead's BE percentage 42.6. Okay. Sean Brown, 33 aces. Matt Rolstead, 34. That's in nine less events. But who cares, right? Aces are aces. They're not, well, it's not tournament wins. Sean Brown's 21 of 21 in top five finishes and have 12 tournament wins. Matt Rolstead's 11 of 12 and has four tournament wins, right? That's 33% of tournaments that he's in. He's winning. Sean's over half, okay? I'm not going to reveal who's number one right now, right? So how, how much does recency come into that, okay? All right, my computer is taking a second to load here, and there it is. Okay, um, so let's go a little bit further down the rankings. Actually, let's let let's take a look at the last rankings. The last rankings. This was in early September. Sean Brown one, Matt Rolstead two, Anthony Dunkel three, Joel Brown four, Tom Loftus five, Dan Wesley six, Matt Wyman seven, Brady Storhoff eight, Sean Anderson nine, R.J. Dusak ten. Okay, so, um, both Brady Storhoff who was eighth and Dan Wesley, who was sixth, did not play particularly well at Dred Scott. They had very poor performances, right? But are we going to drop, how far are we going to drop them, right? Is Matt Wyman going to overtake Dan Wesley? Matt Wyman didn't participate in that event. Who's to say he wouldn't have done just as poorly, right? Now he happened to uh, have won it at Dred Scott earlier this year. So I would think that he wouldn't, but you know, who knows? Um, and then, right, so so those two players, you you think to yourself, well, they have to drop, right? They have to drop. They didn't they didn't play particularly well. Uh Brady was 26 strokes off the lead, Dan was 29 strokes off the lead, but you know what? It wasn't their night. Okay, and then you have um Josh Banish, who was not on the top 10 last time. He has to come on this point. He has to, right? With his performance, right? Now, if you look at his stats. Let's take a look here. Let's compare Josh to Tom. Tom uh, was fifth in the last, Tom Loftus, fifth in the last player rankings, one win, nine top five finishes, 80% BEP. Uh, Josh Benish, zero wins, four top five finishes, 79% BEP. So similar, right? Not, not, not the same. Tom's got, Tom's got the win. Tom's got more top fives. Um, but Josh is right there, right behind him with that, with that one percentage point off the BEP. Okay. So, you know, how high does, how high do I put Josh? Right. And then that's why personally, I think the player rankings are so much more fun than a computer system. The computer system is great and it shows, uh, the data without any bias, right? I love it. That's awesome. There's a time and a place for that, but there's a time and a place for this as well. Okay. So the question is that I have to answer is how far does Dan drop? How far does Brady drop? And with Josh coming on, does RJ come off the top 10? 
because RJ was 10 last time. Now, keep in mind, RJ, zero wins, two top five finishes, 88% BEP. He has one of the best BEPs in Puckcraft, but he's only participated in four, four events. All right, let me do some BEP sorting here. Um, uh, let me take away anybody with one or two events. So eliminating anybody. So three or more events. Here's your BEP, right? Uh, rankings. Sean Brown, one. Matt Rolstead, two. RJ Dusak, three. Oh, by the way, tied with Matt Rolstead, right? In three events. Now, one of those, in four events, excuse me. One of those events at Lilliput. So one of, one of four of RJ's events are at Lilliput, which makes a huge, huge, huge difference, as we know. So do I drop RJ out of the top 10, right? He has great stats, but he's only played in four events and he doesn't have a win yet. Okay. He's been close, but he doesn't have a win yet. And again, this is why this is so much fun. There's not a right answer or a wrong answer. Well, I mean, there's a right answer. I'm about to give it to you. Okay. Coming in at number 10 in this week's B, BEP. Oh my gosh. BEP on the mind. Um, player rankings, Sean Anderson. Ninth in the last event, excuse me, ninth in the last one. Um, and I, I, I dropped him down one spot uh, because Josh, of course, is coming into the top 10. I've already told you that. Zero wins, three top five finishes, 81% BEP. Really hoping to see Sean this weekend. That'd be great. At nine, dropping one spot, Brady Storhoff. One win, 10 top five finishes, 78% BEP. This does not bode well for RJ Dusak, who has, you know, now fallen out of the top 10, mainly because of the only four events, right? I looked at Brady. I looked at it really, really, really closely. And I said, should Brady fall out of the top 10? That was not a great performance at Dred Scott. But then you look at Brady's body of work. He's got 20 events. His BEP is 78%. He's got five top five finishes. He has a win. Okay. In a very big field. This was a long time ago. Right. But it wasn't like he won an event with only seven players in it. He won an event with, I think it was 18, 19 players. It was over a year ago, but who cares? I mean, it matters, but coming in at number eight, I've got Dan Wesley dropping two spots from six to eight. One win, four top five finishes, 83% BEP. I've got Josh at seven. I pulled him in at seven. Zero wins, four top five finishes, 79 BEP, and of course, uh, his performance at Dred Scott. And again, I just talked about the number of players, right? And I've always been kind of fascinated with this concept. I don't know if you remember this, baseball fans out there, Dunkle, I know you'll know this, but the old NL Central, and I'm not as big, as big a baseball fan as I used to be, the old NL Central had six teams in it. I think it still might have six teams in it. I don't think it does. But because when Milwaukee went from the AL to the NL, it was just weird. It was 16 and 14. Um, and I always thought that was so strange. And then somebody explained it to me once, like, it's actually not as big a deal as you think, because the team was going to win it. Like, there's always a team that's towards the bottom. And I just don't understand really the metrics of it. I always thought it was so unfair that the Twins in the AL Central only had to compete against five teams, but the Marin or the uh, uh, the Brewers in the NL Central got to compete with, had to compete with six. And 
the way I look at Josh and his performance at Dred Scott is it didn't matter. And we went over this in last week's podcast. It didn't matter that there was only seven players. We'd, we've been to Dred Scott now three different times. Josh's performance at Dred Scott would have been in the top of all of them. Seven players, 70 players. Now, Okay, 70 is a bad example. Of course it matters. If there's more players in it, you have more opportunity to finish towards the top. But, you know, the cream's going to rise to the top. Josh played really well, and it's a hard course. So, of course, he would have gotten a little bit more credit had it been a 20-person field, but not as much as you'd think, at least not in my eyes. Okay, so Josh at 7, which means uh, Matt Wyman... Uh, in his in, in, in knee deep in his football season at St. Thomas, uh, goes up one spot without doing anything. Two wins, three top five finishes, and eighty percent BEP. Um, now coming in at number five, same as last uh, last month, Tom Loftus, one win, nine top five finishes, eighty percent BEP. Again, uh, it wasn't too long ago that uh, Tom and Sean Brown went into a playoff at Eagle Lake. Um, that uh, Sean won in one, one hole, but still a uh, really good performance there from Tom Loftus. So yes, this is recency bias, but it's not that recent. I mean, my recency bias. So Tom still stays in the top five. Um, and, and, you know, when thinking about where to put Josh, <clears throat> it wasn't just that who he was jumping, but who he wasn't quite getting to jump over, if that makes sense. So I had him above Dan Wesley but not above Matt Wyman, who has two wins, including one earlier this year. Well, both earlier this year, technically. Okay, uh, so top five, Tom Loftus. Four, Joel Brown. Zero wins, five top five finishes, and 86% BEP percentage. We haven't seen Joel in a little while here. I'm hoping maybe for Saturday. We'll see. Um, sticking at number three is Anthony Dunkel. One win, nine top five finishes, 78% BEP. He will be there on Saturday. Very excited to see you, Anthony. Um, okay, and here we go. One and two. And here's the thing. This is gonna take this is gonna take guts for me. This is gonna take guts for me one day to finally make this jump. And I'm just not there yet. Matt Rolls did at two, four wins, eleven top five finishes, eighty-eight percent BEP. Sean Brown remains at one, twelve wins, twenty-one twenty-one top five finishes, ninety BEP. This isn't so much about Matt's performance at Dred Scott as it is Sean's continued consistency. Tournament in, tournament out, 21 tournaments, 21 top five finishes, right? I think that's probably the thing for me where it's like, okay, when can, when can you be like, all right, we need to start considering this, really? And I think it's like once Sean doesn't have the same number of top five finishes as he does tournament participation, uh, you know, tournaments that he's played in, right? Now, let's say Matt goes out this week. Again, this is the same conversation we had last time. Let's say Matt goes out this weekend and wins by six, seven, eight strokes over second place. Okay, now are we having this conversation? Maybe, right? I'm not there yet. It's close. It's close. It really is. Um, but, uh, Matt Rolstead to Sean Brown one. Here's a really fun game that I love playing. I love playing this hypothetical game. That, that game is where would have Sean had to have finished in the last event or 
where would have Matt had to have finished in the last event? In terms of like, in terms of their score, for me to have made this change. Okay, so let's just take a look. It'll be fun. Matt was six under par, total of 90. He went 53-37. Sean, uh, four over par, a 100, a 50-50. So Sean was leading Matt. In fact, Matt wasn't even in the final group. Matt wasn't in the final group of a seven-person tournament. Think about that. Kind of fun. I think, did we go 4-3? Yeah, I think we went 4-3. Okay. And again, this is just just for fun. This is just for fun. Because Sean was technically 19 strokes off of finishing out of the top five. uh, uh, 20, technically. 20, because he would have tied Dan Wesley at 23 over par. So, yes, if Sean Brown would have had a 24 and finished out of the top five, Matt would have jumped him. Okay, Matt would have jumped him. Um, that is the uh, that is the bottom of, of this uh, of this spectrum, if you will. Had Matt gone out and scored a it's so hard to do this. It's so hard to do this. Um, because 30, I mean, like, how do you improve on 37, right? So I guess if Matt would have had a quote unquote better front 18, and let's say he would have gone 45, 37, which is, I mean, Josh had a 45 in the front 18. So if Matt would have gone 45, 37, that would have been eight strokes. He'd have been 14 under par. He would have finished 18 strokes above Sean Brown. I think once you're getting into that, it was a 10-stroke difference between those two. I think once you're getting into that 15, 16, 17, 18-stroke difference, that's when you're, that's when I probably would have had to have pulled the trigger on it, honestly. But 10 strokes kept it close enough. Um, And again, I'm fully expecting to see Sean Brown come out on Saturday and win it. In fact, he'd be the favorite, right? He's a favorite. Matt's right behind him, but he's the favorite. So um, it's a fun exercise. I enjoy doing it. There's no right answers. There's no wrong answers. Uh, It's meant to spark debate. And, you know, um, uh, building on the last week's discussion about the Roger Goodell, Stephen A. Smith conversation, you know, if, if anybody ever wants to come on the pod and tell me how wrong I am about this, would love it. Would love it. That would be so much fun. We could argue, we could scream back and forth at each other for 20 minutes about, you know, how Matt should have been the number one player a month and a half ago, right? I'll, I'll, I'll have that debate with you. We, we can get on a Zoom call. I'll hit record. We'll, we'll go at it. It'll be fun. Um, so, um, yeah, Saturday. Loon's Nest, brand new course, 2 p.m. Weather is looking really, really great. We've got a, at least, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier, but I think it's three brand new names uh, that have come through already. I'm expecting, a, you know, a decent turnout, um, you know, whether that means 15 or so, 12, 15. I, I don't know. It, it's it's tough to say. It's a Saturday, which Saturday, what I'm learning is Saturdays not in the summer are good. 
if you remember our, our event last, I think it was December 4th at golf zone, we had like 27 or 28 players. And that was with four people telling me the morning of that they weren't going to be able to make it. Uh, cause I think somebody in their family had, had gotten COVID or something. This was last December, mind you. Um, so I think Saturdays, uh, off season Saturdays, if you will, are going to be fun. And I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that an off season Saturday, off season, on season, a non summer Saturday, that also is going to be absolutely gorgeous at a brand new course in the center of the city. Uh, we could have a nice little turnout. So really excited for that. We will see you all this Saturday, October 22nd, 2 PM loons nest at the Island Lake golf course, Shoreview, Minnesota. Goodbye.